Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Happy New Year to everybody. I feel, and if you are a regular listener to Midweek Motorsport just after uh, New Year, I feel we might hear Tim sing that quite a lot in the next two hours. Welcome along to 2024 and an exciting new season of motorsport. Midweek Motorsport with you all the way through it here, live on a Wednesday night where it's just after 8 o'clock. Uh, Liverpool and Fulham have literally just kicked off uh, in front of me. They're about a minute into the game. And just to prove we're live, it's nil-nil, by the way. Uh, just in case there might have been an early goal, there isn't. And we get into a new season of excitement, of, well, all kinds of possibilities, of course, at this time of the year, because everything... Is possible on a very big Wednesday where not only do we have Mimic Motorsport, we'll bring Tim in in a moment, but following us at 10 o'clock tonight, a new uh, and first in a long while, Tyler's Long One. Graham Tyler, you'll remember, was one of our legendary pit lane reporters for us on RSL, and he started the long form interview, which begat, in some respects, our big interview here on Midweek Motorsport. Well, tonight we have a standalone big interview, and it's the sports car legend that is Bill Adam. And it's going to be worth listening to. I, I know that um, because I've spoken to Bill about it. So stay tuned after 10 o'clock in the UK tonight, or what will that be, 5 o'clock uh, in Eastern time up in london it's a happy new year to tim gray happy new year tim feliz ano nuevo ah feliz ano nuevo how are you fella did you have a good christmas in i year? did indeed and uh, for the benefit of our kurdish listeners well i'm pleased i'm pleased you've said that and on a pack program tonight we have what some of the usual features but not all of them right uh, we won't. Uh, we've had a happy new year in Spanish and happy new year in English now as well as and Kurdish and Srednanova uh, Godina for the Bosnians. Uh, we don't. We don't have a big interview though, and we don't have any news in Spanish. All right. Uh, okay. But we will have some Formula One news. Right. Uh, we have an interview uh, with uh, Chris Ward uh, yes, as, us. as part of a segment on job news. All right, okay. Uh, we're going to be looking at tickets because, you tickets. know, 
It's uh, time now that you've uh, got past Christmas and uh, you no need to worry about all that Christmas spending anymore. You can start your New Year spending by buying some tickets to some sporting events. Excellent idea, Tim. Excellent. Put that on the poster. Uh, <laughs> it's fantastic. Brian Sheehan from First Tickets uh, will be with us uh, in the show tonight. And we'll be to... saying bon année to him. Well, bon année. Yes, very good. How many... Um, how many different languages will Tim say Happy New Year in tonight? This is a new departure for Tim, and I rather like it. At Specutainment on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Shall I do a, a little bit of... Uh, a, a little bit. You're on threads now as well, did I see? We are on threads as well, although not... It's. I'm picking I'm up fine. loads of followers on threads. Are they all 300 metres away from you? No. <laughs> it's a bit odd, his threads at the moment. Um, but hey, and indeed, ho. Uh, let me do some, um, a little bit of parish notices. Hello to Jesse Young. Happy New Year, first live show just after 7 o'clock in the morning in Australia. Interesting to see Chaz Mostert making the move to GT4s at Bathurst. With his own team running a McLaren Atura GT4. Should be driving in. Group N. Locking in Group M. Locking, locking in their entries as well. We uh, are confirmed for Bathurst. And we will, by the way, have a special Midweek Motorsport Bathurst edition from the press room with me and Krilsey. Uh, and we'll have a, a Pitley and Wonder as well. Um... But that's, that's a month away. And we've got lots of motorsport uh, before them uh, as well. Uh, happy look, a new year uh, from the Outer Hebrides in Scotland, says uh, Josh Smith, who's uh, listening in uh, from there. Ooh, I can only imagine what the weather's uh, been like uh, up there uh, at the moment. And uh, it has been cold today, but bright here in North Northamptonshire. Uh, where else in the world are you listening? Add Specutainment, please. Let us know. Uh, Creeper Hoffman listening in as well. Um, we had a big Yorkshire pudding tonight at Hindhoff Towers with some Kima mince, um, which Eve cooked up, and it was absolutely spectacular. Some green beans uh, as well. Um, Happy New Year to Kevin, Kevin Payne, who's listening in uh, tonight. Um, uh, by the way, Kobe uh, Hoffman is in San Jose, uh, struck down by the gre- dreaded Lurgy Cessoir this evening. Um, who is that? Uh, Jake Parrott is EFA's, flying back for a week uh, from Barcelona. Excellent. Um, Love the small monument to the Montjuic circuit and love the FC Barcelona keeping a small amount of their temporary home at Olympic Stadium for roaming around. Yeah, it's, that is fantastic. It really is, isn't it? I love that to bits. It's, if you're going to Barcelona, go up Montjuic, look it up on um, a search engine and walk the old track. Joe Bradley and I went round it about uh, three or four times. Uh, hello to Kevin Brink, who's tuning in from Thermal in California. Carol Brink, tuning in from Monterey. Um, hello to 
Who else uh, can appear? We've mentioned Alex Orton tuned in. Johnny Mayne is EFAs, uh, but saving us for the podcast as he has entertaining to do tonight. Oh, Johnny, you are being so cryptic. Uh, new year, new you. You need to tell us. Uh, hello to Blur Fiend, who's deep into a t- Is that a take-on? Yes, it is. That's a take-on that he's got the bits at the moment, uh, listening in, although not obviously from uh, that entertainment centre. Sean Crockett listening uh, and looking forward to Nick's views on Gunter Steiner, although he's EFAs, as he's uh, getting his workshop ready for force floor screening. Uh, on our way to a delayed Christmas meal at Basingstoke. Oh, I'd love to have my garage floor screened. That's fantastic. Edwardian Christie, uh, Creations, 29 days to Bathurst. 31 days till he gets there, 35 days till the race. Yeah, very good. Heath Giles, uh, looking forward to a new year of fun and racing. Chris Suku, no EFAs. Happy New Year. Oldie but goodies will be doing uh, stuff in the study. Uh, projects for work this evening while I'm listening in. Uh, NG Auto Art, Neil Gardner, sketching a trigger vintage scale electrics controller. I remember the plungers. I remember the plungers. I'm that old. Yes, that's true. Sarah Rigby is tuned in. Happy New Year to all. Uh, listening live in the background. Apologies if I miss something, so I'm catching up tomorrow. Well, you haven't told us what's going on, Sarah. Is it very exciting? Uh, hello to Dave Olcock, who's listening tonight, uh, and to the rest of the collective, including Marcel All the Duke. latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Papers have been shuffled for the first time in 2024 and Tim Gray has got this story at the top of the pile. Indeed I do and it's a story that requires us to say Hajime Mashite and Akimishito Omedeto to Nick Damon. Happy New Year. Well done. Excellent. Thank you. It's the only language I've got. Uh, this is a story about Formula One. <laughs> that has made a very nice pattern on the waveform on our Thank you. recording. I was pumping the theatre quite a lot, in fairness. It's, it's, it's a piece of art. We should sell that as a non-fungible token. Well, actually... Aren't they dead? A couple... Are they? Were they ever alive? Um, Eve got me a waveform in brass of of the introduction to She Sells Sanctuary, which is actually on my wall at the moment in the studio. So maybe we should do that with that if it Mm. looks good. Mm. Your computer fans are very noisy tonight. And I'm not saying... That's you, Tim, I'm talking about. And I'm not saying they're going... We love Tim's computers. We love Tim's computer. One Tim's computer. There's only one Tim's computer. Actually, there's not. There's actually not. Them. There's about 40 of them in here. That's why it's so loud. <laughs> Tell me the top story tonight. Uh, so it's a Formula One story. Who Hooray, is going yeah. to be spending one million euros every week? One million euros. Million euros. Did you week, have yeah. your little finger... On your on your lip at that point, when you said that, one 
One million. Every week for the next 21 weeks. <laughs> That's a fantastic noise. What noise was that, Nick? That's that was like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure it, what it's even what it's related. I mean, there's a couple of things it could be relating to, but it'd be such a wild stab in the dark. Uh, I'm going to have to go to bend, bend over. That's the wrong way. Uh, bend, no. Yeah, give way to Tim. I give way to Tim and, and allow him to carry on with his speech. Uh, the man spending the money is Angelo Sticky Damiani. Damiani? Damiani. That sounds very like Damon. It's an Italian version of Damon. Sticky Damon. Damon, yeah. That's that's me after after a a damn fine cake. (laughs) Or staying around at the Twixmas do just so you can get the bread and butter pudding with the white chocolate and the um, raspberries. Yep, I pushed through um, jet lag for that. You did. Yeah. You were very good. I was very impressed by that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, this isn't helping me anymore. He's the president of the ACI. You're also the club of Italia? Yes. Mm. So someone from Italy is spending a million euros every week till May. Uh, yeah. are, they doing up a tr- are they doing up one oh, of the tracks? The track, they yes. are. Yes. yes is, well this, is this trying to get Imola back uh, finished? No. Imola. Is it trying to stop Monza from being kicked out? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh. Yes, I, 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 because Monza has received, the, despite Stefano de Michali being in charge, um, it's received and, and, the ire and, and of... Being, F- and being someone who was born near Monza, if yes, I'm not he, mistaken. It's, it's received the ire of Stefano and the rest of uh, Liberty as being substandard in every possible way. Our main goal yeah, is to bring it. the Autodromo <laughs> back up to speed. He said, Ooh, pun intended. Very good. I said that, yeah. Yeah, very we good. must offer greater comfort to our fans. Less theft might be good. We have set ourselves three <laughs> goals to best meet the requests made to us. The first of these is a new underpass. See, excellent. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not thinking that that should have been necessarily their number one. Oh, I don't um, know. They get very congested. Those underpasses. That is true. All that right. is true. Okay. Best ever police escort we got with me. We were driven out of one. <laughs> it was fantastic. The second Best goal is related to the grandstand. Sorry, Tim. Are we going to put that in as as um, a special one-off <laughs> category next year? <laughs> Best, Best ever police, ever police escort. escort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second best one was in Hungary, where we suddenly realised that one of the cars in the uh, convoy had made a mistake and was driving down the tram tracks, uh, which would have de- delineated that point in the middle of the road. It was bouncing along on the tracks. I once went the wrong way down a jail carriageway from Spa on a Formula One TV. Oh, that's probably fine. Trip. <laughs> uh, my, best, uh, my best police expert was in Bahrain for one of the F1 test events that we did. Mm. And, I, and I, it must have been the GT one. Yes, it was the GT one because I was I was driving the the uh, camera uh, and film camera van at uh, at speeds that would have normally got me thrown out of the country or thrown into jail or or both. Or both. It was it. It's interesting. I was I was looking at you know when they always say all oh, these. Hang on, hang on. Can I just say we are mm. literally 
under 15 minutes. Under 15 minutes <laughs> into the new season. Oh, well, there we are. Tangentially. I'm screeching it back on again because it's something I did read over the last few weeks. Was um, You know how they always say, oh, the traditional circuits aren't as good as the new circuits oh, and, it's, uh, and everything else? Do you know the things that they asked Silverstone to do to right. make them as good as the new circuits? Come on. Do you know what they were? Right. It Come was on. all this stuff around the periphery. It's all these secondary stages of pop concerts. Mm. That's the stuff that apparently is the key thing as far as liberty is concerned. And I was thinking, I've often thought this, and, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not the purest of purest motor racing fans. I like a bit of this, that, and the other. But who, who pays 400 quid Quite a lot of the to other go I've and see... Yeah, well, a bit older now. Um, just less regularly. Uh, pay 400 quid... <laughs> To, and they think, do you know what? What I'm really going for is a concert by a mid-ranked chart act. No, you're going to see the F1. And if you, if you found out, right, if you found out, now, am I going to buy my three-day pass? Let me see who's playing in the... No, no one does that. They, they won't sell one extra ticket from having the killers, well, the killers of class one, having a second-rate band playing. You know, and I don't, I don't understand why Liberty think it's important to have this, why this makes a difference, why the fact you've got a band playing, because none of the people who actually go give two tenths of a pence about it. Very good. Well done. This uh, year it's uh, Kings of Leon, Stormzy, right. Pete Tong, and Rudimental. Well, in fairness, Stormzy's A-list, the other two, I think, prove my point. I, I've seen both Pete Tong and Rudimental. At various parties that I've been to. I've worked with but Norman Cook. Again, to I've me, I've th- Norman Cook, actually. Have you? Yeah, he was my warm up act. Was that when he was still in the house, Martins? No. When he w- well, actually, no, no. When he, when he was um, Norman Cook, the DJ. What year would this have been? Martin Hall would be able to tell you. I was at the Blue Monkey at Sunderland. Late 80s? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, so it's his, his transition from House Martin uh, guitarist to uh, to uh, D- DJ Six legend. Star DJ. Here Absolutely. we go. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I think I I I'm just again lost a little bit more respect for Liberty. Apparently, that's the key thing that decides whether the track's good or bad is what is what level of band they have on in the middle during Saturday evening. Like anyone actually cares. Artspectatement. If you care about the music acts on the, uh, on the on the Formula One. Or if you'd actually rather just see more cars going around the track. More cars. Thank you, Nick. I, I sort mm. of expected that that would be <laughs> what you might say. What uh, I think we should do is we should go back to mixed meetings. What, and have motorcycles? Yeah. That's really hard to do. I was watching some motorcycles earlier. They do it, they, they do it at the classic events. I was, I, I was Tim, watching been, a 50-year-old... Uh, actually, was it 50 years or 40 years? I can't remember if it was 73 or 83. Uh, sidecars from Brands Hatch. Oh, I, I love combinations. I think it was 40 years ago. I think it was 1983. Tim, you might have been there um, when we were at Knock Hill doing British touring cars and they had, quote-unquote, a display in the lunch break which was for an awful lot of cigarette money, which was super bikes in the gap between morning and afternoon session. No, I wasn't no, there, I there yet, that there. That, can't that must have been I have not 90s. made that up. That I have not made that car. up. I was there, and I saw oh. it. 
not ITV touring car anyway. Well, it must have been either Mortis or Satanta. Maybe it'd be Toka, it'd been Toka Radio, surely. All the way yeah, back then. that would have been no, 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 the 90s no, thing. I, possibly, might have been. Um, but you have to remember. Oh, okay, no, it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I was definitely there for that, and and saw that, and it was magnificent. Um, the way they were lifting off over the, the top of the hill. Anyway, t- t- we, we, have, we have digressed and been tangentialised. No. Uh, what was your second thing about building up the yes, one million pounds? Yes, they've got an underpass. What so else underpa- it's not my second thing. It's Angela Sticky Damiani's thing. Sticky Damiani. Mm. I'm going to call you that for now. One nil, by the way, just in case anybody's following along. Oh, again? The yeah. second goal relates to the grandstands. Well, that was just the first goal. Hey. Oh, sorry, I see what you've done there. We still have several temporary structures, so we'll build more <laughs> solid structures that provide all the amenities in line with what a spectator expects today, like toilets. <laughs> well, not footpaths, like getting Lavatories, I think, was the word he was looking for. Well, no, for. don't forget the toilets in Italy don't resemble off the toilets you expect to get in other Western countries. Mm. To the extent, actually, where somebody I know will not do events in Italy because of the toilets. Mm. Wow. He flat out refuses to do them. Because obviously we, the events I do tend to be at oh. smaller venues. Tweets are coming in. Uh, Blurfane says, always need more cars and racing on track. I've got to admit, I do like Sebring 12 Hours and the music events that they do in the uh, midfield. But IMSA have so much racing every day on track, you actually sometimes want a break. And Jesse Young, here's the best musical act idea for F1 race meetings. Bring out the V12s, the V10s, and the V8s for some demo runs in between session. Easiest business decision to make if I was in charge of FOM. Hang on. I hope you can hear that over my headset. That is not even a golf clap. That is a proper round of applause from Jess, for Jesse. Well done. I expect your tape. Uh, what else? What is their third goal? Is there a third goal? A permanent Damiani over the pit building. A permanent roof over the whole circuit. No, just over the, the pit, pit building. Is, is uh, that if you remember, the, uh, Monza's pit line. lane has a tent on the roof. Quite a few um, do, actually. Quite a few Stefano do. Stefano Domenicali is very keen is not to be yeah. able to receive his VIP guests yes. under a tent. Yes. This is all about the paddock club, Nick, isn't it? Yep. Let's, let's get our priorities right. Yeah, never mind, never mind the 50,000 people... That pay their money and come three days. Let's worry about the 500 people. Oh, but they are worrying yeah. about them because they're building permanent grandstands with toilets for them. Uh, lavatories. Um, but yes, okay, fine. I suppose they probably take a lot of money out of the paddock club and therefore they want better, better facilities. But, I mean, it's a racetrack for goodness sake. Um, it's an event. That's um, the point. Though, um, and by the it, way... They decide it has to be an event. Uh, Being a Grand Prix isn't enough anymore. It's got to be an event event. Yep, but if they're going to do that, are they going to do that with every track? So are they finally going to get Brazil to build the new pit lane complex well, and take uh, the crappy, absolutely horrible roof off the pit lane complex there that doesn't actually even work as a roof <coughs> for the for the press room because it leaks in and you end up tramping around in an inch and a half of water. Are the well, press aren't in that building anymore? Yeah, but also, oh, John, it's, it's how far it's how far the arm is at the back of particular races, and obviously this, the European classic races are are very heavily arm up the back, and so they'll do whatever they're told. Whereas Brazil sits around always saying it's going to do something and then not actually ever doing it. 
um, and then getting away with it because it's the only South American race at the moment. So, you know, and it has tradition and all that sort of stuff. Shall we move on? Sorry. It's a new We now. shall. Let's, let's start. Let, let's, let's have something a bit more uplifting. A bit more uplifting. That. Should we do some job yeah. news? Yeah, we could yes. do some job news. Uh, because the FIA has announced that uh, Tim Mallion has been appointed as sporting director uh, for the FIA single seat uh, department, uh, yes. replacing Steve Nielsen, who left just before Christmas. Yes, all the senior people are leaving the FIA. Why is this, uh, Nick? Because it's a, a poor place to work, I expect, is the answer. Um, I, think, I, think, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think there's a kind of a, a natural break in... in, in what's been achieved, what's been done. They've kind of laid down the basic rules of 2026. Uh, but I think it's just it's a very... It, I, I don't know how easy it would be to work for the FIA. I mean, after a while, you get bored of first-class travel. Um, and it's a very, very, <laughs> very, very adversarial situation with F1. And most of the people they empl- they've employed are F1 people. They've not... Um, you know, they've, they've taken that, that brain's trust. And I think after two or three years, you probably get a bit fed up with it, really, because I think that everyone sits there not being, not really getting on. There is a huge issue between um, the FIA and uh, Formula 1 itself. The FIA it's, is, doesn't seem to be able to really work out what it's doing, and it doesn't seem like a great place to work, judging by the way people leave, despite having quite nice, cushy numbers. The, but, you know. This is FIA rather than F1, we should make that. So this is under... Um, MBS then, Mohammed bin Sulayim. Yes, that's really going well, isn't it? I think we, as, as we're being nice this year mm-hmm. uh, for this episode, let's just say, isn't that going well? Mm. Everything's going well. Everything is awesome. The, the is addition of uh, Tim Malian uh, would have increased the FIA's number of Tims, uh, other than the fact that Tim Goss is leaving his position as technical yes. director. Uh, I think it, you'll they... find one Tim, one out. Oh, um, is is there is the the regulation? His, I had that through. His Tim was up. His Tim um, was up. <laughs> Very good. But oh, um, that's even better, Nick. Well, but it has to be said that uh, yeah, another one's gone, as they say, and and of course Malian was promoted from the safety commission, so he's come across. So they are actually still two senior members down. Um, but let's let's carry on being. Everything's fine. MBS, everything's fine. It's all going very well, mm-hmm. and there's not going to be a breakaway at all. What's Tim Mallion's background? The safety team. Safety team. And before that? Uh, was he uh, the last man to climb Kilimanjaro blindfold? That's not on his resume. Um, <laughs> he was chief engineer for BMW Motorsport in the DTM. And uh, okay. before that, he uh, started his Formula One career at Jaguar. So it's not the Tim Mallion who went to King Edward the Sixth up the school in Bury St Edmunds then? I'd imagine it probably isn't, given that this uh, Tim Mallion is Canadian. So he's not the retired driver at Freightliner Limited either, from Greater Ipswich? Almost certainly not. Oh, that's a shame. He's one of your favourites, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> I think he probably could have done a great job, to be honest. He probably lasted longer than the others. Yeah, well. Um. He would have got them back on track. But... Oh. Um, <laughs> dear, oh dear, oh dear. Well, they are short of training, aren't they? Well, it could have anyway, showed them so where all the cargo has to go. Where the car goes. Yeah, where the cars go. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I sort of, I'm, I messed that one up. You can tell it's live, can't you? We've got, we got that right. Try that one again. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. Getting on towards, uh, it's a couple of minutes before half past. Yes. Uh, here, uh, we have some more job news. Do we? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and this is the news that Williams Racing is pleased to welcome Craig Woodhouse to the team. Hello, Craig. There we are, that's how it went. Welcome. <laughs> Hello, Craig. Welcome, well, Craig Woodhouse. Do you think they had a little sign-up for him when he... When he um when he drove up outside. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be one of those ones that's kind of like only printed on paper quite quite badly and slightly at an angle because the printer wasn't quite loaded properly and it just slapped onto one of the visitors' things saying, Welcome, Craig Woodhouse. You see, we always used to, uh, RML, when I was working at RML, when we had visitors coming, I uh, I used to um, do them in plastic. And uh, what do you call that? When you, um, what's that called? When you put them in the machine. Laminate. Laminate, thank Laminators, you. Laminators, yes. Oh, my goodness, I only work with words. I used to laminate a nice, nice, chunky sign um, for that and and so put, it, put it outside so the people knew where to park. I am. Now, it's waterproof as well, which is very important where you come from. Well, indeed, so, at Wellingborough. Um, so, basically, he's just the new head of communications. He's the new head um, of communications. Uh, he's previously been a journalist. He's worked uh, for newspapers, including... The Evening Standard and The Sun. Sun, not a newspaper, of course, just a piece of tat. Let's uh, and most recently, uh, <laughs> he was press secretary to Theresa May. That went well. Uh, he was also director of communications at the Department of Energy, Business and Industrial Strategy. Well, he'll know how to spin things, won't he? So, so next year, expect or this year, rather... Can we expect to see a lot of Williams press releases in our pointless press release of the week? Well, I think I'd be worried because they had enough problem with spinning this year, but that was Logan <laughs> Sargent. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Badum tish. Uh, yes, and he's Logan Sargent's back, uh, back again, isn't he, Nick? He is. Despite you predicting that he wouldn't f- be. Well, it's, it, because it's made no, as I said in the, uh, before, it makes no sense. It just shows a complete dearth of imagination. <laughs> also, the inability for people to start placing people. I mean, honestly, he's not up to, what, what do they expect they're going to get? He's not up to scratch. All I can say is, and the thing that obviously comes off is, we now, must never forget he has one fantastic F1 asset. The billionaire, the billionaire grandfather. Yes. That's the thing that he really has. So my guess is that Logan Sargent is paying a shed load more cash for that drive than we thought he was. Because otherwise, he's very, very expensive because he doesn't score any points. Mm. So, but, you know, they said there's a, a dearth of people who were um, available who would be any better. I think that's untrue. I think there were hundreds who would be, be at least as good, if not better. However, uh, and have grandpa billionaire, not so many. Uh, and there have also been some uh, job changes at Haas. Yes, they have. Social media sensations, I believe he has to be called now. Yes. Uh, and star of Drive to Survive. I've heard Netflix have cancelled Drive to Survive on this news. Very There's no did. point in them continuing Strive to Divide because there will be nothing in it. And let's be honest, International Potty Mouth, as he's also known. Yeah, he's um, very good. <laughs> uh, Gunter Steiner has, um, has left. And has basically he's had he, they have parted ways not amicably. Um, there's been a falling out, um, and uh, Gunterstein has left Haas. And uh, hasn't he got he, his own TV series as well though? Aren't they doing probably. He, he, wrote, he, wrote, he wrote his own book. No, no, um, no, no, no. I'm being absolutely serious about this. Hasn't he got his own comedy um, TV series? Um, and um, are you confusing him with Henning Vane? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think... Very good. 
Uh, he's got a US comedy TV. No, he's show. going to produce a new. He's going to produce a new workplace comedy. Right. Okay. He's a production. He's producing it. Right. Um, but who knows? He's got a lot more time to do that now. Cause he's not doing F1 anymore because um, yes, he's four now. And in fairness, C- this is a CBS show, though, isn't it? That uh, he's it's doing. A, it's a real show. Yeah, it's his proper channel. Yeah. Oh, um, um, I, I'm reading a press release here. Steiner has become a cult figure. Careful how you say that. Absolutely. Within the paddock, due to his appearance in Strive to Divide, off the back of that popularity, he's released his own book, and it seems that people are interested in getting on board. The fictional series will be set in sport with a central character being a Steiner-esque boss at the head of a team. Uh, still in the early stages, I've had a conversation with CBS and I'll be the executive producer. I might play a part. So there, there you go. Well, I, say got I, had, time I, had, I hadn't um, imagined that. No, no. I, but well remembered, actually, because that completely disappeared from my brain until you, you uh, re-upped it. Um, yeah, so being basically, replaced by whom? Uh, oh, by... Funny. This is the uh, Komatsu. Yes. So they're digging themselves a bigger hole, are they? Why'd you say that? What? Hang on. What? What does Komatsu build? Oh, they, oh, very good. Yes, they do diggers. Yes, very good. <laughs> not, not that one. You, you, you went so sideways, I couldn't keep up. <laughs> you, you, were, you, were, you were basically you, you were you, you were in the gravel at that point. When I was very scrabbling good. to find I that see where what you were. Did there. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is that what's happened is I think that there's been, a, 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 I mean, rumblings that, I mean, Gene Haas set up the Haas team in this weird no way. No relation to Carl um, Haas and the IndyCar team, by the way. None. None whatsoever. Up, but he has, obviously, he's a billionaire his own right, thanks to his industrial uh, business, and he set up a team which is running three parts. It's got an American hub, it's got a the old Marussia factory in somewhere in the, in the carbon fiber triangle and also it's based with Ferrari and with Delara so it's all split all over everywhere and the model worked well financially initially but now obviously that the fact that people um, aren't under the sort of financial pressure they were X number of years ago because of course the cost cap there's been a lack of investment the team's falling behind and the basic seems to be that, that, that Gene has doesn't seem the need to invest and, and you know, people are going well what, what are you going to do he doesn't want to sell it apparently either he just wants to sit in it which is a bit of a problem, really, because you've got one team marking time out of ten. Um, it doesn't look particularly good for the series. So, yeah, I mean, that seems to be what the problem is, is that the, the outward investment, or the inward investment that uh, Stalin wanted hasn't happened, so they've had a big row and he's left. Uh, someone else who's leaving Haas, uh, not through his own choice, is uh, Simone Resta, uh, who he's, he'd left, he? was on loan from... Uh, Ferrari, Ferrari and has been recalled to Ferrari. Obviously, they can afford the, obviously they can afford the, uh, the, the wages now. They've, they've, it's they've that managed. time of year, though, isn't it, where people come back from lawn deals? Yes. yes. They're going to send them straight back out again, this time to Sauber, though. Oh, are they? That's interesting. Are they? Surprised about that, given what, where, where Sauber's. He's going still. Audi actually got off their backside and said something positive over the Christmas period. Did they? Was, yeah. They finally, they finally made a statement by the new board saying, yeah, we're, 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 we're going to go with it. Which we said, we've been saying for a long time that that wouldn't come until after the season. I have to say, I, I didn't like expect... I think it was the 17th of December or yes, something. Yes, I did really not late. expect it to be that late, if I'm honest. We never said that they wouldn't do it, but what this, we did say was there would be no talk about it until after the season. Apparently, um, always, you, you probably know this. It's always due to the fact that the board's completely changed. Correct. I think I think they had to represent the whole project again. Correct. 
Uh, and Which is what the you would they, expect. It's a lot but, of money. Whether they've got the money they want, because it, it, it's pretty much now come out. Because did you know there was a? Did you know there was a, a, um, a sort of a non-chat agreement in the Alfa Romeo deal? A non that that Sauber weren't allowed to yeah. talk to Audi Sorry. during that period, even though the people who kind of worked in the two areas, so they weren't allowed to say anything. Mm. And so they, they've now, I think, had a, a conversation and been told that that uh, Sauber need a lot more stuff. Now, of course, they are allowed to buy things. Of course, we had this new. Um, agreement from the teams about uh, capex for teams who are a bit behind. I think they've got 20 million euros they can spend if they can get the 20 million euros on mm. you know simulation Stuff. gear or whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the, the request. The request is for Audi is, is they want more money and it's really whether Audi want to give them the money. But I think you know this this slow buyout and of course now it's stake F1, isn't it? They called um, is, is beginning to cause a few issues. Um, There's going to be a lot of pudding. Well, the problem really is, that, yeah, but yeah, but the, this is the issue. Are they going to come out of 2025 underdone? Is the question. Mm. I think it'll be very rare if they get a yeah. decent result. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, do you, so you don't think we, you don't think we'll be saying well done then? No. No, <laughs> I think we'll all be yeah. feeling a bit blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, very. But then again, of course, for us to really know what's going to happen in the future, we need a medium, wouldn't we? Yes. And they're quite rare to find. That's very good. <laughs> And that stake for the year. Mm. Um. <laughs> Need to find some vampires. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so um, he could be going back to uh, Sauber because obviously he was previously technical director at Sauber in, mm. in the past uh, before he. But, um, why would Fry want to do that? Because they've got they get Audi going to be their rivals quite soon. I know they they've got the engine in there, but. Oh, there we go. Who else has uh, uh, got a new job at Sauber? Oh, I don't know. Tell me. Carrie Schreiner. Okay, you're saying that like I should know who that is. Carrie Schreiner is the uh, 25-year-old German uh, Sauber protégé who will be uh, racing for them. Uh, which is actually Campos, in the 2024 F1 Academy. Oh, right, OK. Yes, the F1 Academy, that's another great thing. I'm proud to represent this team in Sauber Academy and F1 Academy this year, she said. After an exciting first season, I'm looking forward to getting back to work. Sauber has an impressive motorsport history, and I want to play my part in continuing its success story. I have one goal this season, to win. I think every racing driver has that goal, in fairness. I'd hope so, at least. Mm, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so Academy, another great idea. Yes. Uh, uh, I think you'll get a lot more F1 Academy this year than uh, uh, last year. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> then we need... What will make up for the lack of Formula E? Well, the interesting thing is, I've noticed that in all the auction sites, all the old uh, yes. uh, W Series stuff's for sale. So oh, yeah, they just yes. buy that. All the cars are for sale, the transporters for sale. I know is somebody it, who's bought two isn't transporters. It short, isn't it, is it Shorty bought some, or Shorty selling them? I've got one or two. Um, well, I know, I, I, I know somebody who's bought a couple of transporters and um, were slightly disappointed with the condition that they were in. The issue with those uh, transporters is that they were specially designed only for that car so putting other cars in them you might need to make some heavy modifications I, I don't think it was that that was the issue 
No. They've probably been so raced around the track is, somewhere. I just think, if you think about general lack of quality, well, that does seem to emanate through the entire thing. Yeah, moving on. Uh, you're listening to uh, Midweek Motorsport. It's the first of uh, Series 19, Series 19, Episode 1. Happy New Year. Uh, Tim Gray's up in London. Yes, and at uh, Jadidat uh, Saida. Well, Tim, a little bit of uh, industry news now as we move on uh, to... Uh, a, a new appointment and say happy new year to Chris Ward. Welcome to the first midweek motorsport of, of 2024. Chris, uh, are you fitting well, first of all? John, happy new year to you and the team. And thanks for having me on and uh, a very good evening to you. Listen, great to have you on and congratulations. A new challenge for you. You are, uh, you've been named this week as the uh, new president of Historic Sports Car Racing, HSR, uh, succeeding David Hinton. And we'll talk about David's new role in a moment. First of all, tell me a little bit about how this came about. Well, just hearing those words still makes the hair on the back (laughs) of my neck stand up, John. Good. It's really a tremendous opportunity. Um, As you know, you know, our paths crossed uh, in my previous role when I was uh, head of motorsport for Lamborghini Quadricorsa here in North America and had that role for nearly 11 years. Uh, My tenure at Lamborghini came to an end at the beginning of October uh, 2023. Uh, Took a moment to, to take a breath, which I hadn't done for a very, very, very long time and uh, looked at the landscape uh, of the various paddocks uh, in sports car racing in North America. And uh, John Doonan and I have known each other (coughs) during uh, not only his tenure at IMSA, but also prior to, and uh, took his counsel, uh, as well as many others in the industry. And uh, lo and behold, uh, during the Thanksgiving week, this, uh, this opportunity came up. And uh, I grabbed uh, grabbed it by the, the scruff of the neck and said to John, no, I wanted to take it on. And uh, I was very gracious uh, that, uh, that he presented this opportunity to me. Couldn't be more excited. Uh, it, it's a time of um, great change for HSR in a, in a marketplace, classic and historic racing, that is going gangbusters at the moment. Uh, it just seems to be on the up and up. We have... Uh, plenty of involvement with it here at Radio Show Limited uh, in, in various events that we provide TV and or radio commentary for. Um, you, in your 11 years, I can't believe it's 11 years you were at Lamborghini, by the way. That I just took a step back there while she said that. Uh, you presided over that job in a time of great expansion and delivered phenomenal success to Super Trofeo. You were instrumental in the LMDH programme coming about so you must feel as though that all of that experience chris puts you in a good position for the next step for hsr uh, you've hit the nail on the head john honestly um, that that's what gets me most excited you 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 summed it up nicely you've taken all the words out of my mouth thank you for doing that <laughs> Sorry. but no it really is the the, the vintage and historics uh, sports car scene as you said is just exploding globally when i consider uh, the portfolio of cars uh, that will be running within HSR, be it uh, most recent, uh, you know, the, the DPI cars um, that feel like they only left the IMSA paddock yesterday. Uh, but there'll be a number of those all the way through to 
you know, 1950s, 1960s mm. production sports cars and everything in between. And, you know, we've got the uh, the historic stock car racing portfolio as well. That's oh. going gangbusters at the moment and uh, <clears throat> is, a, is a huge favorite of Mr. France's. So uh, we're, we're really spoiled at the moment for uh, all of these products that are deciding to race with us. Couldn't be more exciting. When, when you think, um, in, in point of fact, HSR, in, in motor racing terms, I, I mean, I, I remember um, uh, Tim Pendergast's dad, Joe, being involved, uh, which, again, seems like yesterday. But, of course, that's going to be more than a decade, well more than a, a decade ago now. But this new era, which started around about two years ago, when HSR and IMSA have this partnership, and effectively IMSA are the sanctioning body now for HSR, what opportunities does that bring that wouldn't have been there in the past, Chris? And, and what are you looking to... It's clearly... A, I mean, the point is, it's clearly a, a successful formula. So, you know, baby out with bathwater, bath probably not happening. But what opportunities does this partnership with IMSA now moving into um, a, another era, what does that bring? Well, I think, uh, first and foremost, I'd be very impressed, uh, John, if I didn't mention all of the hard work that David Hinton has done for the series Indeed, sir. Um, you know clearly i wasn't involved at that point but when david approached imsa uh, and the transition of hsr into the imsa uh, portfolio let's call it um i think that's really what opened the door for this next uh, tremendous bound of uh, of of growth that the series is facing but to answer your specific question um you know just yesterday i'm on, i'm two and a half days into the role but yes, just yesterday joined uh, the IMSA leadership meeting, uh, which is something where HSR are present in that leadership meeting. And we're able to share best practices, uh, be it in uh, technology, be it in race direction, race control, be it in registration. Um, there's a number of projects uh, that are in the pipeline for, let me call it, closer integration of the HSR paddock into the IMSA way of working, which will only benefit our, our customer teams uh, and drivers. And, and I mean, you mentioned some of the cars that are called vintage. I mean, I, I, I think you were described in the press release as a veteran um, of the sports car paddock. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for bringing that up, John. Sorry, sorry. Um, I'm even older than you. So, so I, I look at some of these cars and think, how can they be, how can they be termed vintage cars? I remember those running. Um, oh, damn! That was thirty-five years ago, or however long, it, however long, however long it is. As I mean, one of the things that that we have to accept, don't we, with with classic and and historic and, and veteran car racing, is that the cars are going to, as they drop into that category, they're getting younger. They're getting from our point of view, they're getting more sophisticated and they're getting quicker. So uh, being part of the IMSA organisation with the fabulous uh, reputation that they have for safety and the tracks that they run on, that's going to become more and more important, surely? Uh, you're absolutely right. And it's one of the key priorities. I, uh, you know, I, I was the first to confess to John that you know, this is uh, not my area of immediate expertise running a series is, but hmm. the the vast array of uh, historic sports car content, uh, particularly in North America, it, it's just enormous, John. It's just enormous. And, and we span in the series everything 
from a car that is five years old uh, all the way back to the 1950s. So we, we definitely, one of my uh, early tasks, uh, and I think you use the expression, John, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Absolutely, that's, that's key. Um, there's clearly uh, many ingredients that are working at HSR, but I think everyone agree. I think I did a total the other day that the, there are 113 classes uh, for cars within HSR today. And I thought I had a lot in Super Trofeo when it was four. Uh, and our dear friend, uh, Jeremy Shaw, always used to pull my leg. Why, why did we need four classes in Super Trofeo? So I'm, I'm now presented with 113 classes across 11 run groups, I believe it is. Um, but yeah, everything from, from five years uh, older. We've got uh, obviously new for this year. Uh, is the HSR Prototype Challenge presented by IMSA. So the new home for LMP3s ah. um, that, that want to go and race in uh, HSR in sprint format, uh, that's new for this year. Um, but it just goes to show, to your point, uh, the vast array of product that there is going to be running in our uh, in our paddock. There's a plethora of cars, 113 classes, I think, is uh, is only a couple more than we have at the Nürburgring for the 24. I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, that, they have them all, all at the same time, the raving loonies that they are. Thank God. We love that event. Um, you, uh, HSR, um, presides over a, a huge amount of events. There are probably about seven or eight really big ones across the year. And, and there's one actually not too far away because at the beginning of March, we have what's now called the Sebring Spring Fling. Then we go to the Mitty, that's huge, at uh, Michelin Raceway Road, Atlanta. Um, we've got the Six Hours of Watkins Glen, the first weekend of June. And then moving further through the series, back at uh, Michelin, the Fall Historics at Road, Atlanta in September. Uh, and the big one, I suppose, is the 24 hours at, at Daytona as well. And th- there are other events around there, including the Classics at the Glen, which is the first, first uh, that was the first one last year in August, and the Monterey um, the Motorsports Reunion as well, of course, and the pre-reunion now as well, because we can't fit everything in. Um, those events, are those the keystones, Chris, that you've, that you've got to, I mean, those things, you're not going to meddle with those, are you? No. Absolutely, and and date equity is uh, oh, yeah. is an expression that we use a lot, and and maintaining uh, date equity where we can, working with the you know the every ever busy uh, circuits, you know their their schedules now are fuller and uh, as full as they've ever been, um, but date date equity is key, and it, just this week uh, have several meetings with our uh, circuit partners, uh, all of whom have been extremely supportive of the series over the years. Uh, but to ensure that not only do we have uh, the circuit uh, agreements signed up for 2025, but uh, for the first time looking into multi-year agreements uh, to ensure exactly that date equity. Uh, that, that, is, that is brilliant. And, and I think now is a good time for that because these events have now really established themselves. And you mentioned David Hinton earlier on, and, and you know we've, we've had dealings with, with David, um, very driven, great vision, uh, and, he, and we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose all of that experience that David's got because he's staying on in a, an advisory category. And in fact, he's still got his prep business as well, hasn't he? Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. And uh, David and I haven't known each other terribly long. Uh, I only got to meet David 
um, over the telephone back in November, and we've had several, obviously, in-person discussions since then. Um, but gosh, what a character, another Englishman. Uh, so uh, some of the Paddock constituents have already reached out and said, what have they done to deserve uh, another Brit taking over the role? <laughs> but no, joke, jokes aside, what a, what a tremendous job uh, David has done. Uh, he and I, I know already, are going to be able to work extremely well together. I couldn't do the job. Uh, and I said this to John Doonan uh, from day one, couldn't do the job if David was just going to disappear into the ether. Um, it's absolutely key. He plays a, a key role, as you know, oh, yeah. in the uh, Monterey Historics uh, and car selection is just one one piece of that. Uh, David will maintain that role. But his expertise, his knowledge um, is is absolutely key to the success going forward. And I'll very much uh, hope take some of the burden off him in terms yeah. of operational of contracting and all the rest of the stuff that has to go on and HR and all, all the, let me say the business of running the business. Yes. Uh, and David can fly and do, uh, do what he's best at. Uh, and, and we should say as well that David had already made his plans to, to step away. I think the last time we were talking to him, which would have been the middle of last year, he was more than just considering, he felt it was time for, for a change at the at the top of the the governance of the organisation, so he's not being pushed out. It was very much his decision to to step away at, um, towards the end of last season. Two hundred percent, absolutely yeah. right, yeah. absolutely right. And uh, as I say, I was so relieved once he said that uh, he was happy to stay on in this advisory wow. capacity <laughs> and and indeed remain on the board of HSR. It's, is a, a tremendous to the asset to the series has been in the past and will continue to be so going forward. I uh, can't wait to um, see you get your feet under the table and, and start enjoying some of these lovely cars that you and I certainly don't think are classics in the uh, in the uh, the traditional term because we can still remember them racing. I'll finish off with a couple of points. Um, what are you most looking forward to? What is it that you think you might find most challenging or do you feel that will be most challenging for uh, HSR moving forward? A couple of points there. Uh, what am I looking forward to most? I honestly uh, cannot wait for the for the gates to open for the season opener in Sebring in March. Mm-hmm. Um, cannot wait to be, I think, as you well know, uh, I've historically stayed in the paddock. I've, I've had a motor home in my previous role and will continue to do that uh, in my new role. Um, staying in the paddock, meeting new uh, paddock constituents and enjoying uh, not only the action on track, but then the social time off track. Um, I know what a, a tremendous uh, paddock spirit David has built over the years. And uh, that gets me very excited. Cannot, cannot wait for the first event. Uh, of the season might have to uh, get you into the Mr. France club of having a classic motorhome for classic motor racing. He... Oh, it's funny you bring that up. What, watch this space. There's, <laughs> there's some, there's something in the works on that front. Excellent stuff. Chris, I, I can't, I, I can't say how pleased we are to, to, uh, be reporting this news and it's quite clear i can hear the smile in your voice i don't even have to see the usual smile on on your face thank you so much for everything you've done with us in the past in your previous role eve sends our best and says happy new happy new year as well and yeah you know where we are 
if you you need anything in the future. And and best of best of luck. I, I say that, and I I don't think you need luck, mate, because I think you've got everything there with you and and what's there to develop something really special here. John, you're so kind. Happy New Year to everybody at RSL. Continue on the uh, the great work, and can't wait to see you uh, very very soon. That's Chris Ward, who is the new man at the head of HSR, Midweek Motorsport, first of the new season. Tim Gray up in London. Where to next? Put your mic up, Tim. I know, I keep doing that. Glory legged nit Excellent. That's Icelandic, apparently. Right, okay. I've never been to Iceland. I'd like to go to Iceland, if I'm honest. I was talking to someone uh, just yesterday who um, used to be based uh, at uh, the U.S. Naval Base there. Ah. Is the um, is the volcano still grumbling a bit? Always. All right, excellent. That's what complaining about the high prices over there. Where would you Where would you like to go next? Um, should we do? I don't know how to categorise these sort of stories. We've got two... Let me do a quick Birmingham Wheels thing. We've what got two it? very similar stories, uh, which are basically um, idiot stories. So let's do the Birmingham Wheels one first. Idiot stories? Yes. Uh, you listen to Midweek Motorsport. It's just before nine o'clock. Now, you will remember, oh! if you have been listening over the last four years, that we have been following the extraordinary story at Birmingham Wheels, which is a facility in the middle of the UK. And apologies for being slightly um, close to home here for those of you who are listening further afield. This is a phenomenal facility that has karting, speed skating, uh, motor racing, all kinds of different businesses on a site that was a former industrial site, which you can't build on because it's got um, issues with what's underneath it. So you can't dig down into it and put housing on it and things like that. Uh, it's kept kids off the street. They've worked with the local police to to help with vulnerable uh, groups. And uh, this is a sports venue that was visited by over 100,000 people, unique users every year. Uh, Birmingham City Council four years ago tried, uh, started the attempt to throw them off there and we, and we covered this. It took them two and a bit years to eventually evict everybody. And now Birmingham City Council, having uh, submitted one uh, 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 planning application, um, have now submitted another one saying that it's underutilised. And it's empty, of course, because the council evicted those thriving sports clubs and businesses a couple of years ago. Um, It's run by Motor Racing Live, and they represent the clubs and businesses on the park. They've always paid their rent in full and on time, even throughout the COVID period when they couldn't operate. Um, The charity that operated Wales for decades also paid the council on time and in full. And so there's been a little bit of um, jiggery and pokery by the council. This is Birmingham City Council, by the way. And they've managed to find an £800,000 debt, um, which they did by 
enacting a rent respective rent review. Um, so, uh, one side you've got a hundred thousand people pursuing their sporting passion um, that's been put together by a charity and a company that have uh, a record of paying their way. On the other side, you've got the council that, by the way, ha- are now in special measures. Um, they get five billion. Uh, UK pounds a year from the government to, to run everything that they do and they've managed not to be able to do that and they're trying to vacuum up more cash by um, basically selling off community assets, playing fields and such like and they've closed sports stadiums that are protected by law uh, and they're basically saying Wales is underused and basically a dead place Um. We followed this for a while. We've had the guys from Wales on. We've had the guys from the councils on in the last four years. And basically tomorrow is when this goes in. If you're in the UK, I am literally going to post now on Atspectutainment the link to what I've just told you and to the planning application. That's just gone out now. It also went out... um, underneath what we were talking about at, uh, when we were promoting the show tonight. You're going to have to be quick. You've got to get that in tonight. If you are involved in motorsport, then you must read this. I won't tell you what to do. It's up to you to make up your own mind. But if you want to listen, just search Birmingham Wheels in, uh, on the um, uh, on the Lamont website Listen to the shows where we've had them on. There's three three shows at least that we've had them on, and the council on as well. And you decide, you decide what needs to be said. Um, I won't tell you what to do. I won't t- even tell you what I think. We've spoken to Birmingham Worlds in the last couple of days on in text form. We'll try and get them on in the next couple of weeks, um, because clearly they're right in the middle of this at the moment. But if you're going to do something and you're in the UK at the moment, then you must read this. It's just after nine o'clock now on a Wednesday night. And the, you have to get any submission that you're going to make in um, today uh, before they go to the planning applications tomorrow. I know some of you on the collective have already done it. You can follow them and look at them on Birmingham Wales. Say Birmingham Wales on Facebook. And it's B Ham Wales on uh, on Twitter, X. Um, I am not telling you what to do. I just want you to go and look at the story and see what's going on here and and make up your own mind. That That's all I'm asking you to do. If you, if you love motorsport, if you care about motorsport in the UK. Um, right, it's just after nine o'clock, so that means uh, we need a bit of a jingle, Tim. Midweek Motorsport, where John has just 48 seconds to tell you what's coming in the next hour. 48 seconds. All right. And counting. Uh, Coming up in the next hour, we will be finding out some news about tickets uh, for Le Mans. New year, new season, new excitement about going to all kinds of places and watching Motorsport. More of your submissions, please, on at Specutainment. Uh, Nick is staying with us for the second hour as we catch up on the huge amount of news. We'll be talking sports cars and well, all kinds of stuff. Coming up 
in the second hour of tonight's first show of 2024. Series 19 is up and running here on RS1. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Nick Damon. Yes. Where is the highest racetrack, permanent racetrack in the world? The highest one? Mm. Um, Oh, it's Mexico City. No. Um, Is it something that uh, is less well-known, Tim? It's pretty... uh, It's not very well-known, no. Is it the Andes ring? (laughs) No. Very good. (laughs) is it um, what continent is it on? Give us a clue. It's in Come Europe. On. It's in Europe. Is it one of the ice tracks for the Andros Trophy? You're close. Uh, Andros Trophy doesn't exist anymore, or does it? Or does it? Is it? Oh, okay. Oh, I, I, that's as close as I'm going to get. So tell me what it is. Uh, it's past La Casa, which is in Andorra. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. How high is it? Uh, Two thousand four hundred meters above sea level. That's uh, hundred and seven thousand five hundred feet. It's one hundred and fifteen meters higher than the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez in Mexico, which I happen to know because I I have been there I and talked about it. It's two thousand two hundred eighty-five meters above sea level. Whilst I whilst I knew that um, obviously Andorra is up in the Pyrenees, I didn't realize it was quite as high. I didn't realize it was at the high bit. Which is interesting because most of the motor GP grid live there, so they're also taking the benefits of altitude training. Mm. Well, you know that it's going to be high because it's the Pyrenees, which is well above the Pyrenees. Hey, easy here all week. <laughs> I actually am not, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why have you mentioned that, Tim? I suspect there's there's something else to your. Yeah, story here. There is a story here, not just a question about uh, geography. Right. Uh, it's because this Saturday... This uh, Saturday? This Saturday coming, the uh, 13th of January, uh, La Casa is hosting the opening round of Season 3 of the Clio Ice Trophy. Ah, see, ah. Nicky, you were so close. So close. Which oh, yes, there's a lovely picture of it, yes. It's this quite year, short, isn't it? <coughs> Perfect for Cleos. This year, uh, it has a field of 16 drivers. Mm. That's all right. Do you right. know what it is? Do you nice know? Race. Right, That's I'm going to ask you a question. Which is the I, I, most I've ever had. While I'm looking something up, what does it have in common with the Miami F1 track? It's got a lake in the middle. There's not a real lake. There's a hard rock cafe. There's a hard rock rock cafe. It does not. It does. Excellent Hard rock cafe up there. I'm on the site, and it looks blooming marvellous. And obviously during the summer, it's a cart track. Uh, And the winter, it's a um, a nice race. It's marvellous. I need need it's bigger than than a cart track. What's it called, did you say? It's called Circuit circuit Hyphen Andorra. It's just under circuit, circuit circuit-andorra.com. Circuit hyphen and oh, it's got a flat track. They've got a lot of stuff for the boys that are up there. Oh, really? They've got a flat track for the right. MotoGP guys. Paz, Paz de la Casa. That's the one. Looks really nice. Well, in fairness to it, I mean, I know Andorra's got Andorra's got a huge amount of money, so it, it, you can see why it looks nice. I think our friends at Creventic may be interested in uh, T-shirt. 
A little bit small, yeah. 16 Clios will fit, though. Grand Valera Ski Resort, and uh, it says, Geography and climatology shape our identity and allow us to perform activities throughout the year. But what sets us apart... There should be a comma to put there. What sets us apart and shapes our DNA is ice and snow, which allows us to host... As uh, events as unique as Andros Trophy or the G Series. So Andros Trophy maybe does still exist. I like this. You know, rather than the weather forecast, like, you know, cold in February. Estimated track conditions. December, January, February, ice. March, April, snow. Mixed conditions from May to November. So we don't know either. (laughs) But we think there'll be some asphalt in June, July, August, September. Excellent. An altitude racing circuit. They describe themselves. Um, I, uh, yeah, that is, it's quite short, but, so there's a... It's 945 metres. Yeah, so it's a cart track. Mm. Actually, however, if you use some of the outside circuit roads as well, you could extend that a little bit. So that the start-finish, tra- it doesn't show me which way the track goes. Really it's clockwise. Is it? So it's down past the boxes and the pits on the left-hand side... Oh no, the pits are on the on the other side of it. Uh, down to the first corner, which is a right-hand hairpin, then through the S's, and then that through that big long 180-degree right-hander back onto the start-finish line. It sort of thingy. Okay. Facilities include a VIP lounge, a welcome centre, box suites, boxes, race control, and a hard rock cafe restaurant, as Nick rightly says. Mm. Oh, hang on a I minute! Like I've just found a picture of it. And I'll be honest with you, I'd rather go there than the Miami Grand Prix. You're breathing very heavily on your microphone, Nick. I, no, I, move it. I believe, I believe yeah, you there yeah, because you, you, you are very breathy. Very breathy. They, got, they do a lot of car manufacturer stuff by the looks of it. I want to go there. Well, you yes. missed it because you missed it because earlier in December it was the Porsche Ice Experience. How was it? Train at Andorra with your own vehicle. Oh, hang on, mate. They do motorcycles there. Yeah. Yeah, they got they got the... That looks very supermoto, though. Yeah. See, uh, the, I quite like the idea of doing um, Speedway or supermoto. And they yeah. do mini bikes as well, there, as well there. Pit bikes, supermotard. So... Using a supermoto, a hundred euros, including accident insurance, complete equipment, and two runs of ten minutes each, is a hundred euros on a two hundred and seventy cc single. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. One hundred and fifty for a full hour's worth of instruction um, on a pit bike, or one hundred and seventy-five for a supermoto. Mate, we've got to go previous, to this. Yeah, but also to answer your previous question, yes, um, which wasn't a question, obviously, <laughs> um, they had the Andros Trophy on the 15th and 16th of December. So it does still exist. So it still exists. Yeah, all right. Which I didn't, I must, I, I, I thought it they went electric, it don't forget. Oh, and then yeah. It went electric, and then they struggled the last few years to get anywhere that had actually any eyes. Mm. Well, and now, it, and, and actually, linking back to something that you said earlier, the Andros Trophy meetings had cars and bikes mm. because they had bikes with studs and spikes as well as the electric cars. Electric bikes, one presumes, because it went all electric. And do you know what Andros is? No. Tim? 
I do. What is it? Don't look it up. And Don't look it up. <laughs> yes. It's the uh, Christian name of an English footballer. No. It's a not Greek island. Townsend. Uh, not on the card. It is. I, I'm pretty it's a Greek certain. Island. I'll have a look this up. I am. I'm pretty certain it is a juice manufacturer. Yes, it's it is. The, okay. It's Andros from Andros. So it's Trophy. like the Del Monte Championship. Yes, pretty much. Like yes. Monte. Yeah. Or um, who are the people who do all the cranberry juice? Oh, ocean. the uh, ocean, ocean, yeah. Yeah, ocean yeah. thing, ocean spray. Alex ocean spray. Sims, was it? No, the other Alex. Or was it Alex Sims? Which, which, which Alex was always sponsored by Ocean Spray? Oh, oh good question. Well, I, don't know. I don't think it was uh, Alex Sims. On the X place, on the Twitter, at Spec Entertainment. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Um, why did you want to mention the Cleo Ice Trophy team? Uh, well, as I say, it's uh, got its highest ever uh, entry list uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so four four rounds uh, taking uh, place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know yes. uh, where the others are, unfortunately. But certainly, it, matters, does it? it doesn't really matter. No. Um, but starting in Andorra certainly this weekend, and uh, among the entrants, uh, we need to get Bradley to run a car for us. Yes, WRM by Shanwin Motorsport and SRD Racing will be out for revenge with Charlie Freyard and Gautier Sari. Former will share his car with Alain Cusimano, who has decades of experience, including uh, previous exper- appearances in the Clear Weiss Trophy. Is this where there's actually only six cars and everybody shares? No, the sixteen, uh, but they're all two drivers. Uh, okay. Gautier Sari will team up with Quentin Ribot, who won the Clio Trophy France Terre in 2021, of course, before mm-hmm. going on to uh, Rally Four and Rally Three. Uh, Brunei competition is aiming for the top with Jordi Queralto, who has several Dakar starts to his name. He'll be teaming up with his son Alex, ready to make the leap into car racing for the first time after a successful karting career. Uh, the Driveland team is uh, betting on Guillermo Mian and Markel de Zavaleta, two leading names in uh, Renault Customer Racing in Spain. They've also done the Clear Ice Trophy before. And Puzzle Motorsports will have uh, Daniel Del Villa and Antonio Otero in one car and former multiple Turkish rally champion Ercan Casas and Volkan Izik. All of the top six uh, finishers will win a prize. And the overall winner wins a prize donated by Michelin. Lovely. Absolutely fantastic. So, uh, if you want to go, uh, it's uh, in Andorra uh, this weekend, 13th of January. Uh, starts at half past... F- well, actually, it starts at 27 minutes past four in the afternoon. 27 minutes past? Yes. Right. For, What's coming later For free tonight, practice. Too? Later tonight, we've got a big, uh, big new long one. Uh, where John talks to Bill Adam for an hour and a half. Is it an hour and a half? Is it it is. All right. Um, I th- I, do you know what? It flew by. I didn't realise it was that long. It is worth a listen, however. And next um, week, we've got more historic racing as well. Have we? Yes. What, what they, do we know what they're doing yet? No. No, they've uh, okay. 
they've, they've kept quiet about uh, what next uh, Wednesday's show is, but I'm sure it'll be very good. Uh, should we move on? John? Yes, we can do. What would you like to go to now? I think you wanted to talk about the Nürburgring. Oh, we can talk about the now Nürburgring. This, this is part two of uh, people being stupid news. All right, yes, OK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a whole new series. Yes. Uh, I wasn't expecting to do double people being stupid news in the first episode, but here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll remember last year we talked about the uh, court cases uh, between... Uh, the Nürburgring and VLN, the organisers of the NLS, yes. uh, and uh, some people who want to run a new series called the NES. Which is actually the people who owned the Nürburgring. Yes, uh, but with two uh, former VLN team owners uh, yes. running this championship. Uh, you have an update on this, John. <sighs> We talked about the courts saying they had to come to an agreement. And, Nick, what did you say um, when when that came out from the high court in in the state that they're in, that you've got to be sensible about? It was very German, very sensible. Um, yeah. And what did you say when they gave that, that particular judgment? It just sounds like a teacher at a kindergarten going, now you two need to play nicely and share your toys. Yes, and, and quite frankly, I think you said at the time, if they'd been prepared to do that, we wouldn't have been in this situation in the first place. And uh, coming in uh, recently, right, okay, let, let's—I need to backtrack just a tiny bit. Um, the circuit uh, it went to the high regional court in Koblenz, and the NLS, which is run by the VLN, there's going to be lots of three-letter acronyms here. So NLS, Nurburgring, Langstrecker Series. Um, which is run by the VLN, which is an umbrella organisation, and, and we talk about this when we do our coverage, that runs the series that a number of different German motorsport clubs get involved in. So you have various different events that are run by a club, but underneath the umbrella of the VLN, that makes up the Nürburgring Langstrecker series. Now, the circuit have decided they wanted in on this, and they have proposed their own Nürburgring Endurance Series, NES, uh, which would give them the possibility for hosting their own championship. Now, the Koblenz Regional Court gave both championships um, access to the circuit and basically said, look, this is um, the Nürburgring and what happens at the Nürburgring isn't just a race circuit. This is um, like a community asset. It's it's like art. It's like, you know, it's really important. So you're going to have to get yourself sorted out. Um, so the Nürburgring have now realised that they are going to have to turn things back a bit. NR Holding, which owns the Nürburgring, have decided that both championships will have the opportunity to host, uh, I think it's four races on Saturdays and each will have a double header event as well one race Saturday and one on Sunday so that's five events each we haven't got dates for these yet by the way Nick so uh, you know however this week there's been a fairly solid response 
from the Nürburgring Marshals Club um, and some of the teams. Now, the Nürburgring Marshals Club um, is uh, run by a guy called... Uh, oh, oh, sorry, have written to a guy called Mike Yeager. Um, and this is all on Sportscar 365, by the way. And John DeGeese and his team are right across this. Um, so, uh, Mikhail Beer and Bernd Plows. Uh, Shinat has said that they are fully committed to the NLS, the Nürburgring Langstrecker Series. They've got a long-standing relationship with them and they've got a training program um, and a coming working basis. So they are committed exclusively and solely to the NLS. Now, this is really interesting um, because that could be difficult for the N. ES, uh, if they can't get any marshals. Now, a couple of days after that, another letter, and, and we mean a letter, by the way, um, came in and was published in Motorsport Actuel. The letter was addressed to several key figures in the dispute, including Victor Karatonin, uh, um, not German, I don't think, Nick, in fairness. Doesn't sound it. No. Um, uh, the Managing Director of AVD, uh, Lutz Leif Linden. Um, once again, uh, Mike Yeager from VLN Head, as well as the leadership from the DMSB and ADAC. By the way, this doesn't affect at all the 24 hours. Two dozen teams pretty much had signed this. And we're talking people, and this is, this is key to me, car collection, Black Falcon, Mulner, Adrenaline, and, Nick, it's very, very critical. And you've been to the Nürburgring. You've been there. You've seen what happens. Um, and they say it's not only damaging the reputation of motorsport, the public eye, it's potentially destroying livelihoods. Um, <laughs> I, I realise this is translated for the German. However, I love this. The split series concept will result will result in a sportingly boring and economically unsustainable set of events for everybody involved for the next five to ten years. Um, as a group of team bosses who have been particularly active and successful many years, and we all love the competition on the Norge Life, and we want to welcome new competitors, suppliers and organisers, and uh, we are happy to have them challenge the market leaders to fair competition with good personnel, clever strategies and the best equipment. However... This doesn't apply to new market players. Now, this is that's their words. This is my words. I think they're looking at you, NES, who tried to outsmart others before the start, preventing them from starting, poach their staff, and use what they describe as semi-legal means to ruthlessly buy their success. There's still no information on sporting, technical, and organisational regulations. Uh, we've talked before about permits and things like that, um, how that's going to work with the 24 hours, and etc, 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 etc. Doesn't sound to me, Nick, like they've got any kind of consensus here. Well, no, I mean, I think it's another one of the um, ever-running missteps by people who are the Nürburgring, which first started, what, about 2006, I think, when they, they, they took it over and built the Fantastic, and uh, still to this day, non-operable 
uh, roller coaster and try to make it a destination, even though it's in the middle of nowhere. No, it's actually it doesn't even doesn't even it's not even linked up together. It, it kind of rather amusing just disappears into a wall and doesn't come out the other side now. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's the, the judges statement that you know the point about it is when they bought the Nürburgring it had statements in, perpu- in perpetuity mm. that you had to have it as available as a race venue for for, for you know even handed hire it had to be it had yeah. to stay a race venue had to stay um uh, tourist fallen and had to stay a test track for, for manufacturers so then then tried to stop it from being a open and available to all race uh, circuit you're thinking, well, you just stopped, you failed in your most basic tenets of what you bought. And this is the problem, I think. I think there's a kind of a a, a concept to try and make make money out of the organisation and owning of the Nürburgring that has failed miserably, um, probably for the last 30 years, but certainly for the last 15, 16 years. And it's another attempt to go, right, what's making money? Right, we get the, oh, look at those, those races, 160, 200 cars going around nine times mm. a year. Let's see if we can nick those and make some money. Um, yeah. It's um, it's a bit ridiculous, and also point 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 with John. I mean, the, the, the marshals actually are very important. I think you need two thousand marshals to run an event. Yeah, oh, well, it's a you know it's a very long circuit, mm. and um, you need the circuit, um, you need the circuit to be manned correctly. That there's been now look, this is not. By the way, we're not all having a downer on NR and the Nürburgring owners because they have invested quite a lot of money um, along with their broadcasters, Nürburgring TV, who we work very, very closely with. Um, They've invested a lot of money in putting fibre all the way around the circuit to make it easier to uh, cover the races. We've had helicopters at more races, um, etc., etc., and some of that's down to Nürburgring Langstracker Series. As well, so we're not just having a go here, but what I'm saying, Nick, is it's all being put at risk here. And if nothing runs, surely that doesn't benefit the circuit at all. Well, no, it's 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 a, it was an attempt at a um, a coup, effectively d'etat. a coup d'etat, a cash grab, as we would call it in the UK, and they try to steal it off. And obviously, they've been, um, I think, surprised by both the vehemency and the. Um, in the right as far as the courtness they have turned out to be. It was an attempt, and it was backfired spectacularly, and now they're going to have, I think it's six events or four weekends, I can't remember how many weekends they won, was it five weekends they won? Where at the moment... It's five and five at the moment. They're going to have, like, very low entries, and so they're they're losing money on it, so it's kind of like a, oh dear, this is kind of worst of both worlds. If, of course, obviously the current status quo stays away and they all stay together, because there's many many things can change in the wonderful world of, uh, of motorsport. Uh, the teams, by the way, I'll just finish off with this. The teams have said they are open, very open to discussions for 2025 onwards. But they have told the Nürburgring that the dates have to be in for the NLS um, by January the 15th at the latest. They've also requested the NES, the new series, transfer transfer over at least one and up to three weekends to NLS to give them a clear and positive signal of serious interest to potential customers. Now, we've talked to a couple of teams, and we have people on the collective who work with teams, no names, no pack drill, that the problem has been they cannot get people to sign up. And a lot of these teams um, exist because of gentlemen drivers paying their money, either to get qualified on their permits for the Nürburgring 24 or to just do it. 
And at the moment, as a business proposition, what do we know about any business? And this is universally true. Nobody likes a situation that is uncertain. Uncertainty is the enemy of business. And that's how it stands at the moment. Tim, what do you think? Fellas, no, yeah. Ah, indeed so. Uh, John, you are a man of many faces. That's true. And right now, I'd like... my wife. (laughs) Right now, I'd like you to uh, select your international, not surprised face. Hang on. Yep, I've got it. This morning, Ferrari's confirmed that Antonio Froco, Miguel Molina, Nicholas Nielsen, James Collado, Alessandro Pierguidi and Antonio Giovinazzi are set to pilot their number 50 and number 51 cars Hang at on. Le Mans and in the FIA World Endurance Championship. That's not an announcement. That's just a continuation, isn't it? It was an announcement. They said it had a press okay. release. OK. So that's exactly the same as last year? Yes. OK. Okay. Uh, and uh, later on we'll do some more sports car news and maybe find some other things that are exactly the same as last year. Happy New Year, happy new season and people's thoughts going towards where they're going to watch their motorsport in 2024. Uh, let's kick off the new year with a quick chat with our friend in the trade, Brian Shane from First Tickets is waiting patiently for us happy new year brian how are you happy new year john yeah good thank you good thanks i hope you had a good break not bad not but not much of a break nowadays to be honest <laughs> as and it probably even less for eve who's been flat out uh, all the time yeah. um we spoke to you towards the back end of last year the end of, of season 18 for us on midweek motorsport uh and you gave us a great update about le mans um i, I keep getting people on socials on our Facebook page asking about Le Mans for 2024 and there might be a little bit of good news for a limited number of people what can you tell us yeah so um when we spoke last time around John we were saying that you know the event via the circuit is sold out um our private campsite when we launched it on the 1st of December that sold out within a couple of hours the remaining spaces it all went very quickly and we were working our way through like the event register, those people who have pre-registered with us, and we were provisionally sold out for all of our tickets. Now we've got pretty much the end of that list. We've got some people that have not been able to take up their option or have had a change in circumstance and uh, are not able to go, which means that we have a very limited number of camping spaces available at the circuit with general entry um, for the race weekend. Um, this this yeah. is in this is in the um, this is in the public camping rather than your enclave. Yeah, that's right. Like the, the private campsite's full. We've got a, we've got a, a healthy waiting list. Uh, a lot of people that who bought booked through Piston Heads, they then go on to book in a public campsite and have the opportunity to upgrade if spaces become available. We're working to see if that might happen or not, but it's like a closed list. There's mm. like so many people on that one already. So yeah, general public camping, uh, and it's like. Um, to, to be honest, it's for those that are like um, on the outlying campsites rather those in the centre, but it's still camping at Le Mans with general entry. Right, OK. Um, now, remind our listeners and me, because I did have a, spe- a very specific question about this, and I, and I gave an answer, but I did tell them to get in touch with you um, about this. 
that buys you a pitch, a certain size pitch. What you put on that is up to you so long as you don't go outside. So you could put a small motorhome on there. Is that right? Uh, yes, you could. Uh, and in fact, we've got a couple of motorhome spaces left up at the Rotund. So they've ah. moved... We, they've moved the motorhome only spaces from PZ54, which used to be by the Porsche curves, by the Dun, by the bridge as you go towards Base Azure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've moved it up to the Rotund, which is closer to the main entrance of the circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for motorhomes, that that area is without facilities, so you need to have like ablutions and a toilet in your motorhome. Yeah. Um, but then on the general public campsites. Standard pitch, seven meters by five meters. If you're in a motorhome and it fits within those dimensions, that's fine. Happy if you're tears. coming in a car, if you're coming in a car, you need to make sure your car, your camping equipment, your gazebo, all of it fits on that pitch. Right. Okay. Um, so that's camping unexpectedly, perhaps, uh, but we understand that people's situations are are fluid and therefore get in quick to Brian and the team at first ticket one st tickets. If you search that, you'll you'll find them and they will be standing by their phones or drop them an email. Um, You mentioned general admission tickets there. Uh, Tell us about the situation. Uh, I believe race weekend, unless you're going to get those campsite pitches for general admission, is that sold out now? What tickets are available in terms of, of, of race week and test weekend? Yeah. So from ourselves, we have a very limited number of full week general entry tickets Naturally, that's, you can book those when you book the camp in uh, via the website. Um, if you were looking to come along to the event but couldn't get the full week tickets, it appears that currently there will be tickets available from the ACO for the two practice days, Wednesday and Thursday. And also there is a ticket you can get for the test day on the Sunday the week before. Right. Now, naturally, it's not the full race, but nope. it's getting into the circuit and watching the cars get around. I've got to tell you, it's a lot more relaxed on test day and, and there'll be far fewer people there. Although last year there was a hell of a lot more people than I've ever seen before on test day. It's becoming a kind of an event uh, on its own. Um, and if you were to go down there, maybe take Monday and Tuesday as well, you could then go down to, um, or sorry, take Friday and Saturday and then stay over for the Sunday. You could go and have a look at the... Um, uh, the scrutineering was the word I was looking for down in Le Mans as well. So you could make a long way end of it and probably be back at work by Monday. Uh, Brian, that's that's great news um, for what's going on. Now, clearly, as I said, people's uh, people's plans do change. If there are people who have got tickets and who now can't make it, what's the uh, what's the recommended course of action from the ACO about? Uh, either getting refunds or moving your tickets on? Yeah, certainly, John. So, like, um, if you've booked with ourselves and you've got a change of circumstance, then just contact us by email and we'll see what we can do to change things around for you. We've got, like, a you know, we, we should be able to move the tickets on. If you've booked uh, via the ACO, then there is the official, official ticket re- resale site, um, which you can uh, go via their website and it'll take you to the ticket, uh, the resale area. Uh, on there, you will see what tickets are available. I think you should also then be able to put your tickets up for sale there. Um, we've noticed, it's, it's been like this for a number of years, but we have noticed a much harder and uh, more official clampdown on ticket sales via eBay and via forums. Got so you. You know, Facebook groups and like um, you know, like uh, website forums, the ACO, 
they're, they are they are watching out and looking yeah. at them and saying you can't do that you shouldn't be selling those so that's that's another thing so the official ticket resale site is always the place to go if you've bought your tickets direct from the ACO. If not, back to the supplier that you bought them from to see yeah. what they can do for you. Uh, and that, by the way, is uh, ticketchange.24h-lemon.com. But there is a link directly from uh, 24h-lemon.com as well. I'm looking at that at the moment. Uh, there are some tickets there, the, what they call the green ticket for two days general admission. And people uh, come in Thursday, general admission practice is up there. So there's some in there. There's a Panama and a parking pass, etc., etc. Um, that's exchange tickets. So if you've got any, you can use that uh, website to be able to, to get in there. And that will keep you on the right side of the... ACO. If you're ACO member, by the way, you absolutely should be using that because they'll know. They do know where the tickets are going because there's marking on them. Um, let's ass- let's assume everybody gets sorted for Le Mans. That's not until June. Before then, though, Brian, the motorsport year of 2024 well and truly kicks off. We are very busy at this time of the year, and your team at first tickets just the same. And it's a it's a Spa Classic. Uh, that is coming up, I suppose, as one of your first big events. That's in May. That's right, John. Yes. Yeah. So there's no there's no Le Mans Classic in uh, 24. The next time for the Le Mans Classic is uh, 2025. They're going back to every two years. So we're we're putting our focus on the Spa Classic. Uh, it's an excellent event. We I love it. Uh, I I always look forward to going to it. Not that I don't like going to Le Mans. Le Mans is like bread and butter, and we all mm. all enjoy that so much. But the Spa Classic is a very, very good event. Uh, at the um, in the middle of May, it's the the nineteenth of um, sorry, seventeenth to the nineteenth of May. Uh, it's uh, organised by Peter Auto, same as the the Le Mans Classic. You have six different categories of racing over the the three days, so qualifying on the first day and then uh, races on the Saturday and the Sunday, all the way up to the half past ten at night on the Saturday, uh, and they do night qualifying as well. Uh, access at the event is brilliant. So yeah. your general entry ticket gets you into the paddock areas. You can wander around all of those freely. All of the grandstands are free. So you can go and go up to like uh, the grandstand of the F1 pits, the one at uh, Radion and the new grandstand over at um, La Source, which yeah. again is a great, great, great view. Um, we've then also got uh, parking within the circuit uh, oh, for nice. modern cars and display parking for classic cars. Uh, a good selection of hotels and camping close to the circuit. Uh, and we have a small number of track lap sessions left. Oh, um, still doing that. I did that the time I went. It, it must have been, how long have I had me 968? Because I, I just got the 968 the previous winter. And I went yeah. there in the May and did a couple of track lap sessions. Um, we were on our way to the Nürburgring, actually. I love that event, Brian because it's nice and relaxed. There's a lot going on. They normally have uh, a really good auction there as well that, that, that they put the cars in the um, in the F1 pits. Keep your hands in your pockets, though, because the prices are bonkers, as you might imagine. But they, they, they have some great cars there. The access, I think, cannot be understated how brilliant it is walking around. They have an old VW bus there with a DJ playing all the old tunes and everything. Yeah. And it's It's a proper event, isn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and then obviously you've got you've got the uh, wild card, which is the spa weather. You can never guarantee what that's True. going to be like. You know, you can have um, last year. I think 
one day was very wet and the rest was really, really good and hot and dry. So it's really, really nice time. Really good. Um, and the spa circuit is so easy to get to walk around and view from all the different places. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to, to give that feel. And then I like the fact that like, uh, the paddocks is quite compact. Mm-hmm. So to get from like the endurance pits to you know, effectively to get from like, uh, La Source and, um, Eau Rouge round to Blanchimont is like five minutes. Yeah. You just go in walking up that bit. Make sure you bring your walking boots though. Because it is up and down. Oh yeah, and if this that I think more than anything else, the grandstands have been a great addition, particularly the one at the top of Radion that looks back down there. You can see all the way down into the pits complex, and the one just after the hairpin at La Source, you can see a huge amount of the track from there actually. But I think the yeah. biggest improvement for me, and particularly for people, and a lot of people listening to this will be endurance fans. So they used to go into Le Mans uh, to Spa, excuse me, and, and seeing a six-hour race. Well, you've got three days of racing here. So you're going to want to move around the track. And the upgrades in the uh, footpath and walking areas that they've done inside and outside the circuit, um, it's no longer the boggy mess that you used to have to walk through uh, down by the karting circuit and at Le Col, which I still call um, that particular part of the uh, the circuit, a, a curve Paul Frere, I think it's called now, where it comes back onto what I still call the old circuit. It's much better for getting around now than it ever was. And because you've got the time, if the weather's canny, that's what you do. It's, it's actually really nice to do it and see some of these classic corners. Uh, close up because it's good sight lines there as well if you're an amateur photographer um get in touch with you if anybody uh, wants any more details about that uh, then brian yeah absolutely um you know drop us an email if you, if you like or go onto our website and have a look you can build your package there see the hotels that we've got remaining um we've got uh, i think there's one self-catering chalet left we've got camping options as well at eau rouge uh, oh, so this really? is the eau rouge campsite down yeah. it's not at eau rouge in the circuit the, camp, the campsite's called Low Rouge. It's about two miles outside from mm-hmm. Stadlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very nice little place there. So we've got a lot of people already staying there and hotels close to the circuit and in Spa and the surrounding areas. Smash and drive down there as well, to be honest, and dead oh, easy yeah. to do. Don't go around Brussels. Always go the southern route. That, that's my only bit of advice. You'll say, ah, it's 15 minutes longer to go the southern route. But I tell you, <laughs> you can lose 15 minutes, no problem at all, if you're on the periphery of Brussels and it's it's heavy traffic. Brian, remind us of the website again. So it's www.1st-tickets.co.uk. Thanks for being on, Brian. Best of luck uh, for 2024 and say hi to the team for us. I certainly will, John. Thank you very much. Uh, Brian Shane from First Tickets joining us on our first Midweek Motorsport of 2024. Happy New Year, Tim. And Happy New Year to you, John. And Happy New Ah, Year to you, Nick. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, you sounded very Jules Holland there, as you said that. Hootenanny! I'm recording this year's Hootenanny about when they record it normally, January. Actually, they did it much later this year. It was only the 19th of December. Mm. It's normally in September. It's much later this year. Um, It's one of my New Year's... um, One of my New Year's traditions, that. Uh, Where do you want to take us to next, Tim, for the next, what, 17 minutes of the show? Before that, I need you to have a think. While we're doing the next couple of stories, I need you to have a think about something, because I'm going to ask you in a moment. I need you both to think about... Who are your top five 
motorcycle racers of all time. Okay. Now, I won't ask you to put them in any rank, those in any particular order, but I will need your top five. So have a think about that uh, while we talk about uh, the next few stories. Uh, first okay. of all, I've got to tell you that next week on Midweek Motorsport, we'll be looking ahead to the Abu Dhabi six hours, the first, oh, yeah. what is now the first Creventic race of 2024. Uh, we'll be saying hello to them and Happy New Year to them. Uh, next Wednesday, uh, ahead of the race next weekend. Uh, and then after that, it's the Dubai 24 hours, which has moved uh, back two weeks due to the uh, political yep. situation in the Red Sea. Yeah. Also next week, uh, we hope to have Shay Adam uh, to catch Hello. up. Terrible. Uh, to catch up with some of the big... Uh, IMSA stories. Of course, we do have uh, next weekend action from the Raw, and yep. uh, Shay will also be doing the uh, preview shows for yep, uh, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and uh, Mission Pilot Challenge. Uh, times for those are still TBC, but they will be going out uh, over that weekend. Uh, over on our sister's channel, IMSA Radio. Uh, but That's I do have. Night. Hang on, Sorry. I do have an IMSA story to tell you now. Excellent. Uh, now, in 2025, there's a rule change which I wasn't aware of until I read this press release. Right. Which is that at Daytona. In 2025, yes, in the GTP and GTD Pro classes, yes, you must run four drivers. At the moment, you can Correct. choose three or four drivers. I didn't know this was going to change. Yes, uh, it, it's actually three, four, or five. You can run in ah, uh, not in pro, not in you pro. Can th- yeah, you can you can run three, four, or five in GTD as it stands now. It has to be. And no fewer than three, no more than five. Um, uh, in GTD Pro, it's no fewer as it as it stands now. It's no fewer than three, and I still think they can run five in GTD Pro as well. But that uh, does change. Mm. That can that can only be four. Four. It's, and it's four at Sebring, of course. Don't forget as well for the twelve hours. So one team has announced today that it is going for four driver lineup uh, a year early. They'll be going into this year's uh, Daytona 24 Hours uh, with a fourth driver added to their three that we already knew about. This is Chip Ganassi yep. Racing. Uh, Renge van der Zander, that's Sebastian GTP. Bourdais. Oh, that's not that's GTD I said, Pro. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I said yeah, GTP yeah. and GTD right. Pro. D Pro, sorry, yes, um, you did. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais, Scott Dixon, Renga van der Zander will be joined by Alex Palo. Hello. Uh, Hello, Making his return to uh, Daytona, of course. Uh, he was there in 2022. He was indeed. Um, there's, there's so much news from that. Um, I think it's very interesting that the IndyCar drivers... Um, They've got a long wait. They they would have had a long wait, Nick, from the end of their season in 
Tim will know that Tim was it September or October that they end? I think it was September. Probably was September, and very end of September. And they don't get going again till St Pete's in end of March. Yes, as far as I'm aware, that's a very long time. No, St Pete's is the end of February, isn't it? Uh, I, I'll I'll take your word for it. Because then they go um, to the thermal, and then the Long Beach is in March, isn't it? Uh, let me have a quick look, and I will tell you. Um, we have already started anywhere. preparing our 2024 IndyCar season preview. Um, Saint, Saint, no, St. Pete's, mate, it's March the 10th. Oh. Then it's the thermal yep. million-dollar challenge million on Mar- March the 21st. The Acura Grand Prix at Long Beach, um, Umbelagato named as the official watch of that, is April the 21st. Wow. And then the Children's Alabama uh, Grand Prix uh, is April the 28th. So there you go. That tells you. So, And what do we know about um, racing drivers and not being racing, Nick? What would team owners say about racing drivers who are underemployed? Uh, they go out and have um, unfortunate accidents on tennis courts. Yes, they get themselves into trouble. <laughs> so far better to keep them gainfully employed, put them in a race car so they've got something to think about. And that's uh, what they've done. Yes. Um, on the subject, uh, I can't remember where we're going now. Um <laughs> I tell you where we're going. We're going. Tell me. Yes, we're going. Uh, going to uh, Burford. Burford. Yes, and then we're going to head in a northwesterly direction. Burford is, is in the UK. Alpine story. Is this an Alpine story? Yes. Oh, very, because oh, what's the, the A424. Road, the A424 leads very northwest good. of Burford. <laughs> yes, uh, very up good. Towards Stowe on the Wold, and then Morton in the Marsh. Uh, Lovely road. So, who's had his first taste of uh, the A424 this week? Is it Mick Schumacher. That wasn't the answer on the card. Oh. <laughs> you sounded so disappointed there. Well, I thought I got it right. I got it right. I don't, you have to tell me, who was it then? Uh, it was a uh, friend of the show. And well known groovy person. Ferdinand Zvonimir Maria Baltas, Keith Michael Otto, Antal Bannum, Leonard von Habsburg, Lothringen. Which means, because he's doing that. He can't go to Dubai 24 hours. That's correct. Uh, Which means. Someone else is going in his place. uh, Not the the Dubai 24 hours, the Asian Le Mans series. Sorry, Asian Le Mans series, but in Dubai. I knew it was Dubai something. you were you were close. You, you were only um, three quarters out in the race length, uh, and this will be Will Stevens who will replace Ferdy, as he lets me call him, um, uh, into my local team, which is uh, the uh, Nielsen Motorsport guys in their very nice red, white, and black car. I'm very excited about that. So. All, so th- that's interesting because he knew 
when that race was, Tim. And um, I, I presume this must be an extra test for Alpine. Yes, probably. Yeah. Hmm. Um, who else is going to be racing in Dubai, but actually this time will be racing in the Dubai 24 Hours? Announced Ooh, about today. Five other cars. Announced today Ooh, as joining Janetta. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know this one? No, go on. That's quite exciting. That's quite exciting. If you like uh, hitting a fence sideways in an electric Ooh, that's car. That's harsh. That's harsh. Well, that's what uh, he's famous for, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Uh, Who is it? It's Nico Prost. Nico Prost, yeah. Nico Prost, oh, blind, okay. I thought he'd given up. <laughs> this is the continuing development of the Genetta G56 GT3 uh, Cup car, which we saw at Kuwait uh, Motortown, Kuwait. didn't we? Yeah. Motortown. I thought that car looked really good. It went well. They backed off well through because they were. Absolutely running away with GT X, I guess X. they were in, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. Um, no, TCX. TCX was it? No, I think, I think so. Okay, well. No, because TCX was being was was it was the Vortex was winning that until, until um, it caught fire. And and did they not take over from? That? Don't know. I think you're probably right. Actually, I I just say what the first thing that comes into my head. Nick, I think so it might be. The, I think it might be the correct thing actually. Okay, <laughs> It'll, you know. I've, I've been doing this for some time, and once in a while, I do actually get to be right. Um, but here, here and ho. Um, I thought that car looked and sounded fantastic. It's the little V8 in that uh, in that car, and uh, it's. I think um, I think it looks. I've, I've always thought it went well. I I think it even looks better now as well, and. It was competitive. What we won't know is how competitive it is Nick, until it's in a bigger field. Exactly. Yeah, and they and I think they they were quite pleased. They managed to get. They, they, I think they were quite pleased. They had a few teething troubles to solve as well, so they they, they got to the bottom of those, and the thing did most of the twelve hours. So it was good. They yes, engineers like things that uh, that break a bit. Um, in fairness, uh, do you want to talk about quickly talk about tomorrow night, Tim? No, there's nothing on tomorrow night. Uh, Simcast. Starts again on the 18th, I believe. Um, right. I want to check that. Because <laughs> I've just just had a note from Matt ah, saying that you. Matt and Stephen are here to bring us everything that happened over the break, including Riser Studios' AMS2 Le Mans content, a new deal between iRacing and IndyCar, yes, and why can't we get supercars match? Yes, that was big news. Uh, eight o'clock tomorrow, um, I believe, um, is what they're saying. We look forward so, to, uh, to that. Indeed, we do. I, I apologise that I thought you would have had that first. By the way, this is from Jesse Young, who has been doing a little bit of digging around um, on the ownership of the Nürburgring. Victor Karatonin... Um, is uh, uh, a pharmaceutical uh, Russian oligarch. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll, I'll do that the other way around. He's a Russian oligarch who's made his money from pharmaceuticals. Yes. Presumably legal ones. Um, uh, credible sources state that he's been involved in corruption schemes organised by the Deputy Prime Minister of the Russian Federation, Tatiana Golikova, and her stepson, Vladimir Kristenko, um, and has been helping to finance Russia's war against the Ukraine. Um, no. Now, uh, I, I cannot uh, say whether that is true or not, um, but uh, it would appear that uh, that he uh, that that, and that is uh, put alongside um, Victor Karitanen, who is the uh, current owner of the Nürburgring. Russia, of course, the country where there's been a. A uh, very long association between sport and pharmaceuticals. <laughs> oh. Now, that is very true. That is very true. We've got four minutes, and before we get too much closer, if you're still listening now, first of all, thank you very much. Secondly, don't tune out at 10 o'clock. Um, the Tyler's Long one with Bill is coming up. Bill Adam is coming up. Uh, we're not pretending it's live. It's not. I record it over the Christmas and New Year break. Um, and I had a spectacularly good time talking to uh, Shea's dad, of course, among other things. But also, I, I spent a couple of seasons working with Bill and got to know him quite well. And he has had an incredible racing career. And he's driven some really bizarre cars. And we'll go through some of that with Bill Adam in the special Tyler's Long One, which comes up after this programme. And that will start in about three or four minutes' time after Tim has done his and finally. So what have you got for and finally this week? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I was correct. It was Alexander Sims, who was sponsored by Ocean Spray early in his career. Excellent. Uh, and now each of you is going to give me five uh, of the your five greatest motorbike riders of all time. It's very difficult. I, I will go with... I don't think it's difficult. Well, go on, then. You, go, you, go, you, you do your five, then. Well, I've, I've written 11 down. Right, well, my, well are you going to disagree with me that Giacomo Agostini is the best of no. all time? No, he's not the best of all time. He's one of the best. It's the same thing as F1. It's in-era. All right, yes, okay. don't, don't well, need you to rank them. He Just had 122 wins. He had 122 wins. So you've both uh, got Aggo on your lists. Yeah. Yes. Rossi? Yes. He's got to be on the list. Yeah. And have you, Nick? Um, Yes, my, my list yep. as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mike Hillwood? No. Ooh. Um, Mick Dewan? Yep. Jorge Lorenzo? No. Angel Nieto? No. That's six, John. Which one do you want to I lose? Know that. Uh, well, I, I mean, Phil Reid, you can put in there as well. Yep. Danny Pedroza, maybe? No. Marquez? No. Casey Stoner? No. All right, so who have you got in that I haven't? I've got um, Joey Dunlop. Very good. And uh, I've yes. got Kenny, Kenny Roberts. Yes. I'd, no, I'll agree with both of those. So if we, if we said... I'd like to point out that the, the, the one name I came up with first, which is, my, which is my first name and ever who is the greatest of all time, I always come up with John Surtees because he did both. Mm. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> No, that is a very good point. So, um, you, you want to Aggo, know why I've asked you this? So you've gone yes. with 
you've so Nick has gone Agostini, Rossi, Dunan, uh, sorry, Duan, uh, Dunlop, and Ooh. Roberts. And John has gone with Agostini, Rossi, Halewood, Duan, and. Well, now Edwardian Creations has just thrown Stefan Petterhansel in there. As well, and yeah, but, I, I, but no, see, I always had Ivan Major, and I thought, I can't, we can't go out, oh, we, we've got to stay on the tracks. You've got to stay on the track, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, see, I think I'd probably put, I think I'd probably put John Surtees. Surtees. Or Joey Dunlop in there as well. I, I can't, it, it is very, the top five is, uh, if we went for 10 between us, we would have had all of those people. Yes. In there. Yes. Uh, why did you ask? Uh, the reason I asked is because uh, La Gazzetta della Sport has been asking the same question right. to Casey Stoner. Oh, right, OK. Uh, and Casey Stoner has uh, come up with these five names. Giacomo Agostini. No yeah, surprise there. Mick yeah. Doohan. Yeah. Valentino Rossi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark Marquez. Right, yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. And Danny Pedrosa. So I did mention Pedrosa. But Pedrosa's never even won a championship. He's had a lot of wins, though. Yeah, but but you're eliminating people who like Kenny Roberts, you know, and you're eliminating Wayne Rainey, and you're eliminating um, Jeff Duke, and you're eliminating Ooh. people who've won stuff. So no. Stoner said, "That's recency bias. That is." Who's who's? Who Stoner said, "For there? me, it was Sorry. incredible to see what uh, Danny did racing alongside him throughout my career. Nobody can understand how fast he was." And uh, I'm not, by I'm the not way, saying he's bad. By the way, I'm not saying he's not fabulous, but he's just it's not, he's not in the top five. And I mean, by the way, we did mention Johnny Rear. No, or Carl Fogarty, or Carl Fogarty, or um, Superbikes. Corsa and everything else. So, yeah, yeah, I I was trying to be. Yeah, I think I had eleven. Foggy was on that list. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's. I think that's a much tougher one than top five drivers. Don't know because I think if see we've kind of already spread across three disciplines. If you move it out of F1 and do top five drivers and say oh, F1 yeah, including yeah. everything else, and you're yeah, going, oh, Jackie Hicks, you're going, oh, perhaps, you know, Tom Christensen, who wouldn't be in a F1 top top five. And then you go, then you go to the States and you say Jay Foyt, you know, we probably do actually, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get, then you go, and then, yeah, Mar- well, obviously, sorry, yeah, Mario. And then you start thinking, well, do I say um, uh, Petty and that sort of thing? You know, you, you, once you spread it out, suddenly you, you think, oh, gosh, it's about 700 names. Um, however, that's all we've got time for. Uh, this uh, I do have one final story, which is uh, a bit of sad news, mm-hmm. uh, which is that uh, Wilson Fittipaldi is uh, yes. in a medically induced coma after choking awful on his news. Christmas dinner. That is awful news. Um, uh, very. There's been a, f- a few significant deaths over the uh, Christmas and New Year period. We'll reflect those, of course, in our Roll of Honour. Um, at Le Mans, both from um, the world of, of competition and the world of, of motoring journalism as well. Um, I did see Tiffany Tiffany Dell mention that Ken Pollock had died. Yes, um, I did, yes. Over Christmas and New Year. I had the very good fortune to work with Ken, who was instrumental in the early series of, of Top Gear um, and various other things. I had the good fortune... Um, to work with Ken on a couple of live shows that we did for Motors TV from the racing car show at Birmingham and he was brilliant and he was such a lovely bloke and I, I was I was most touched by that 
Um, we, we don't have, we, we, we don't go through all of those now on this show because sadly it, it would take up so much time. But we will reflect that in our role of honour when we get to uh, Le Mans. If you're talking about great drivers, by the way, coming up next, we have a true sports car legend, and that's Bill Adam. He'll be talking to me on the Tyler's Long One special for the first week back after our break uh, here on Midweek Motorsport. Thanks to Nick and to Tim and to our responsible adult, Eve Hewitt, to Chris Ward, new CEO of HSR, and to Brian Sheehan, our friend in the trade at First Tickets uh, for all of their updates. And to you for listening. There's no time to explain because the llama is back on the road again. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.